Hello, and welcome to the Energy Policy Now podcast from the Kleinman Center for Energy Policy at the University of Pennsylvania. I'm Andy Stone. EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt has come under bipartisan fire of late for an array of ethical missteps that ranged from lavish spending on travel to the granting of illegal pay raises for select EPA staffers. Over the past week, staunch Pruitt supporters, such as John Barrasso, who chairs the Senate Environment and Public Works Committee, have questioned the transparency with which Pruitt has run his office. And legislators from both sides of the aisle have suggested that Pruitt may not be fit to lead the agency. Could Pruitt's tenure at the EPA be coming to an end? And if so, what direction might the embattled agency take under new leadership such as that of recently confirmed Deputy EPA Administrator Andrew Wheeler. On this special episode of Energy Policy Now, we'll take a look at the swirl of possible ethical violations that surround Pruitt and what his departure could mean for his efforts, and more broadly those of the Trump administration, to recalibrate environmental priorities at the EPA and roll back certain environmental regulations. Today's guests are frequent Energy Policy Now collaborator, Carly Kalanisi, director of the Penn Program on Regulation at Penn Law, and Daniel Walters, a regulation fellow with the Penn Program on Regulation. Carrie and Dan, welcome to the podcast. Good to be here. Nice to be here. So a lot is going on related to Pruitt these days. Just yesterday, and that would be Thursday, April the 19th, the EPA's inspector general began an investigation into Pruitt's use of EPA security for personal travel. So, Dan, could you, with that starter, give us a a broader overview of why Pruitt is potentially in trouble at this point? Well, I guess I should ask uh, how much time we have before I get into it. Uh, uh, It's a bit difficult to keep track of all the controversies swirling around Pruitt. But the biggest controversies right now, the ones that have generated the most uh, investigation and reporting, uh, center on Pruitt's alleged uh, misuse of public funds. So first, allegations have been made that Pruitt made use of obscure legislative authority intended basically to allow the agency to bring in outside experts during a drinking water emergency um, to approve upwards of 20 percent pay raises for some longtime political aides. Uh, According to the reports, Pruitt proposed the raises through normal channels with the White House and was turned down. Uh, But then he turned around and found a provision in the Safe Drinking Water Act, uh, uh, a longstanding environmental statute that permits the EPA administrator to hire experts to set their compensation as he sees fit. Um, So when these allegations first surfaced, uh, Pruitt denied having been aware of the raises, but an investigation by the EPA's own inspector general this past week uh, confirmed that, uh, that Pruitt signed off on some of the, uh, the raises. Um, so next, there, there have been a number of reports about Pruitt's profligate spending on office improvements. Uh, by law, agency leaders are allowed to use uh, $5,000 uh, of agency funds to reconfigure and redecorate their offices as they see fit. Uh, but Pruitt has apparently paid little mind to this limit. The expenditure getting the most attention right now is Pruitt's purchase of a $43,000 soundproof booth uh, from which he could make private phone calls. Um, and while pos- Pruitt's position has been uh, that, booth, that the booth was not for the purposes of rec- redecoration and therefore not subject to a $5,000 cap, uh, Congressional Watchdog Group, uh, the uh, Government Accountability Office, this past week found that the purchase violated the spending cap and the Anti-Deficiency Act, a law that prohibits unauthorized spending by agency officials, um, and that Pruitt should have notified Congress before spending the money. 
Another very serious allegation centers on a sweetheart deal for a $50 a night condo rental in Washington with a lobbyist whose husband contributed to Pruitt's prior political campaigns and actually had matters pending before the EPA as part of his work for a major liquefied natural gas exporter. Despite obvious ethical concerns, EPA's own ethics office apparently pushed through a memo at the time concluding that the deal was not a gift under federal laws, in part because it considered the price reflective of the fair market rate. Uh, that claim has spurred a, a great deal of pushback, and the House Oversight Committee, led by Republican Trey Gowdy, is currently investigating. Uh, the EPA lawyers who made uh, the initial approval have made clear that they were only looking at the $50 a day rate and not approving the entire arrangement. Beyond this, there are a number of other allegations that Pruitt has engaged in lavish spending on personal travel, such as flying first class or on charter flights on personal trips to Disneyland, Italy, Morocco, the Rose Bowl. Uh, and back home to Oklahoma for frequent trips, um, and often with a larger-than-normal security team in tow. Um, these allegations have been under investigation in the Inspector General's office since last summer. Um, indeed, a separate Inspector General investigation is looking into whether Pruitt's security spending is appropriate. Uh, Pruitt uh, reportedly maintains a full-time 20-person security team, costing about $3 million to taxpayers so far. And it's not just the spending that's under probe. Pruitt reportedly retaliated against EPA career and political appointees when they pushed back against some of his spending. Um, the House Oversight Committee is apparently working with a whistleblower, uh, Kevin Kimelewski, uh, who claims that he and others were demoted, reassigned, or otherwise marginalized after voicing their concerns about various aspects of Pruitt's spending. Those are wide-ranging allegations for sure. You know, and it's not really all there is, believe it or not. Uh, you know, I think Dan covered the highlights of, of the most uh, serious allegations uh, of, of misspending and, uh, you know, frankly, uh, mismanagement and maybe even bordering on uh, abuse of, of office. Uh, but there's others. Uh, there's, you know, some uh, new reports and growing concern even among uh, some Republican lawmakers about the possibility that Pruitt has created a secret uh, email address or using some aliases that uh, make it hard to uh, find and retrieve uh, emails uh, that are supposed to be publicly disclosable. Um, what else? Uh, you know, there's uh, 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 the head of his Superfund task force, is someone who is an old friend of his from Oklahoma in the banking industry, but uh, it turns out that uh, this uh, uh, fella, Albert uh, Kelly, uh, is uh, someone who uh, the uh, Federal uh, Deposit Insurance Corporation, FDIC, which insures uh, bank deposits around the country, has actually uh, uh, banned Kelly from uh, the banking industry for life, uh, uh, apparently in response to uh, a number of uh, serious and intentional uh, violations, uh, purportedly of of banking requirements that were designed to uh, uh, to help protect depositors' funds. Uh, that's uh, uh, th that's some of it. I mean, he, there's a lot of connections that. Uh, Pruitt has had over the years with industry. Uh, he's uh, reportedly appeared in a promotional video uh, since uh, uh, becoming EPA administrator, a promotional video for uh, the cattle industry uh, that uh, 
uh, is, is a very similar uh, sort of uh, activity that was found illegal under uh, previous administration uh, by the by the GAO. Um, and you know, if you look back on his history as Attorney General in the state of Oklahoma, uh, there's all sorts of reports about uh, cozy relationships with the oil and gas industry. And the New York Times had a, a series uh, a number of years ago before before he uh, became EPA administrator about how you could compare letters that were sent to Pruitt from the oil and gas industry and then look at let, compare that with letters that Pruitt sent to EPA uh, objecting to certain EPA policies and they were word for word the same letters <laughs> so, so there's talk the... about uh, industry uh, influence so, so it appears that he has, in a, in a sense, uh, acted as, you know, on behalf of the industry rather than necessarily environmental interests, which is what his role would be, is is as the current EPA administrator. And there obviously, is, as we've said uh, in the last few minutes, there are many, uh, you know, more specific allegations against him as well. So, so Carrie, I wanted to ask, you know, uh, what's likely to happen next? Can Pruitt survive in, in his role? <laughs> well, that's the question, isn't it? Uh, and I guess uh, it, it's uh, always hard to forecast the future, but it, maybe it's instructive to look back at the past as a possible guide. Um, let, me, let me tell you about an administration that has a major entertainment star as the President of the United States, a conservative Republican, who campaigned on an anti-regulatory agenda, who appoints a Westerner who's generally antagonistic toward environmental regulation to head up the EPA. Uh, the administration proposes major budget cuts to the EPA. Uh, its biggest priority really seems to be, in terms of environmental matters, uh, a program at EPA for cleaning up waste sites called the Superfund. Uh, and at the end of the day, uh, the EPA administrator gets caught up in a whole host of ethical improprieties and scandal and uh, ultimately resigns. It sounds like what we've just been talking about uh, with the Trump administration, but all of those things uh, were true during the Reagan administration. And the uh, EPA administrator at that time, Ann Burford Gorsuch, a, a Westerner from Colorado who took on the EPA and cut the budget and uh, uh, got caught up herself in a series of uh, ethical improprieties. She had uh, uh, the head of her uh, Superfund office, uh, Rita Lavelle, was indicted uh, for perjury and uh, also lying to Congress. Uh, there were probably close to two dozen at least senior leaders in the agency who resigned. And then Gorsuch herself uh, ended up resigning, uh, facing a contempt citation from Congress, and uh, apparently the Department of Justice uh, was not going to defend her in that, so she stepped down. So, I mean, if you look at history, uh, it seems to me we're on a slippery slope here that's probably only going to lead at some point to Pruitt's departure. There are some key differences, of course. Uh, first of all, Pruitt has 
by all accounts, a good uh, relationship with President Trump. And maybe most importantly, uh, the House and the Senate are in the hands of Republicans right now, whereas in the Reagan administration, the House was controlled by the Democrats who were conducting a lot of investigations. Uh, nevertheless, I think uh, it's hard to see how Pruitt really remains uh, in office, even even for those who might support his agenda and mission. Uh, he's really shot himself in the foot here. Uh, he's going to make it much more difficult for him to prevail uh, with uh, the kind of agenda that he he's uh, pursued, the deregulatory agenda. He's already had some trouble in court uh, with some some moves he's made. Um, and, you know, over time, uh, we're just going to see, in all likelihood, this issue continue to dog the administration and dog the administration. Right now, according to one recent poll, Pruitt has uh, only a 29% public approval rating. Mm. That's lower than the president. And, and when uh, an administrator starts pulling down a president pulling down um, uh, Republicans in Congress, uh, they're likely to see that it's not in their interest. And, and by the way, you know, the American public really strongly supports uh, environmental protection. Uh, it's, it's, it's been a longstanding uh, 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 attitude that the Americans have had. Even a latest Gallup poll said that 61% of Republicans support higher pollution standards mm. on business. So this is uh, an agency that Americans really care a lot about. And once uh, they begin to start to see that this is uh, 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 an administration that, that may be uh, questioning uh, their public health and safety, uh, that this is going to become a, a real drag on the administration and on Republicans in the November election. Well, as, as you pointed out, obviously it's eerie the extent to which what is happening right now reflects what happened, what, 35 years ago uh, with the EPA. Very, very similar situation. Uh, you know, also at that time, 35 years ago, early in the Reagan administration, ostensibly we were in a political climate that was somewhat more open to, uh, uh, you know, bipartisan uh, uh, dialogue. But in any event, as you've also pointed out in recent days, it looks like even on the Republican side today, there are some cracks in support uh, in the support for Pruitt. So. So let's go, Dan. You know, if Pruitt does end up leaving, we don't have a crystal ball, but if he does end up leaving the office, who is the most likely person to replace him? Well, it's it's widely assumed that Andrew Wheeler, the recently confirmed EPA deputy administrator, would take over um, uh, as what is known as an acting administrator under a law called the Vacancies Reform Act. Uh, under that law, when an administrator dies, resigns, or is otherwise unable to perform the functions and duties of the office, the first assistant to the office shall perform the functions and duties of the office temporarily without the need for Senate approval. Uh, by temporarily, the act means until the president nominates and the Senate confirms a replacement or until 210 days pass, which would be after the election, um, in which case a nomination must be made. 
Um, so technically, Wheeler is not the first assistant. That would be EPA General Counsel Matthew Leopold. Uh, but another provision in the Vacancies Reform Act gives the president the authority to name as acting administrator anyone who serves in an office for which appointment is required to be made by the president by and with uh, advice and consent of the Senate. In fact, we saw this mechanism play out earlier this year uh, when Richard Cordray resigned uh, from his post atop the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Uh, President Trump used the authority that he would likely use to appoint Wheeler to appoint Mick Mulvaney to replace Cordray. Uh, Of course, Trump could also just skip the entire acting administrator tack and nominate Wheeler to replace Pruitt, um, either now or in a few weeks uh, or in months, uh, which would then set up a pitched confirmation fight in the Senate in election year. Um, the larger takeaway is that if it is true that Wheeler would be the presumptive replacement uh, temporarily or permanently, there are multiple avenues that Trump could take to make that happen, some of which could be effective immediately. Pruitt could resign Thursday evening, and Wheeler could be bringing donuts for EPA staffers as early as Friday morning. All right, fair enough. So, so what do we know about Wheeler? About his background. Well, this is this is a person with a, a deep well of experience working with energy policy on behalf of industry and conservative interests. His most notable experience is as an energy lobbyist at Fagery Baker Daniel for clients like Murray Energy, the coal mining giant and frequent EPA agitator. Um, in this role, he'd helped develop and deliver a proposal to Energy Secretary Rick Perry uh, to subsidize coal-fired gen- electricity generation in the name of grid resilience. Um, he also represented utilities, uranium mining companies, and biofuel and liquefied natural gas producers um, in this role. Uh, so we also know that uh, Wheeler's posture toward the environment was shaped by his 14 years working as a legislative aide to Senator Jim Inhofe of Oklahoma, one of the most trenchant critics of EPA and one of the most dogged climate change skeptics in government. Uh, Inhofe famously brought a snowball to the Senate floor as evidence to show that global warming was unlikely. Um, Inhofe's praise of Wheeler's nomination would seem to signal ideological approval and portend uh, an acting or permanent administrator who pursues many of the same issues uh, that Pruitt has pursued. Uh, Finally, unlike Pruitt, Wheeler actually worked at the EPA as a career staffer, uh, helping to implement Brownfield's regulations and right-to-know rules about chemical leaks, uh, some of the kinds of back-to-basics, non-energy-related environmental issues that Pruitt emphasized and that it's expected Wheeler would also emphasize. So, so Carrie, is there any chance that Wheeler may not be the guy? Uh, and if, if so, who else might be in line for the job of EPA administrator should Pruitt leave? Well, uh, that's anybody's guess, ultimately. But I will say that, again, if we take a historical perspective, a potential uh, model uh, person or ideal candidate could be someone who's going to be viewed as uh, more moderate and uh, more concerned uh, about environmental protection. And, I, and, and if, if we look at history, what happened in the Reagan administration after Ann Gorsuch resigned, uh, Reagan appointed Bill Ruckelshaus as uh, the new EPA administrator. He won uh, you know, Senate confirmation handedly. Ruckelshaus was actually the very first EPA administrator in the early 1970s, and uh, he was also someone, interestingly enough, who served in the Nixon Department of Justice, and when Nixon took steps to call for the firing of Archibald Cox, the special prosecutor looking into Watergate, uh, 
Ruckelshaus was one of the Department of Justice officials who resigned rather than carry out the president's order in, in to, uh, to engage in what we now call the Saturday Night Massacre. Uh, so at the same time, of course, here we have in the mix of events in the current Trump administration concern and questions about whether uh, uh, the special counsel, Robert Mueller, will be uh, removed in some way. We have this other example, again, uh, to look at in uh, the, uh, the Reagan administration. And what Ruckelshaus did was just bring a lot of credibility uh, back to the agency and, and kind of inoculated uh, Reagan uh, and other Republicans from making the environment an issue in the, uh, in, in, in the next election. And I guess that's really what will have to look at and, and the strategy that I, I imagine folks in the Trump administration are, are trying to deal with. Does Pruitt or Wheeler uh, appeal to the base, which does seem to be a, a strategy that this administration is taking quite a bit, uh, and is that the way they're going to go, or do they want to try to put somebody in who's a little bit more moderate? Uh, I will also say that you know, as I think Dan alluded to, that Wheeler has just been confirmed as the deputy administrator just within the last uh, week or so. And he was confirmed by a, a, a slightly larger vote than Pruitt was. Uh, you know, he was confirmed 53 to 45, got a, a little bit of support from uh, from Democrats and got uh, the Repu Republicans who, a Republican senator who voted against Pruitt, voted for Wheeler. So in some ways, it might be the easiest thing, uh, the path of least resistance, to just put Wheeler's name up again and uh, hard-pressed to see how or why senators who just a week or so ago uh, confirmed him for deputy administrator wouldn't give him the thumbs up as well for the administrator position. And all that, all those uh, sessions happened as all this information regarding Pruitt was coming out. So that had to be in the back of people's minds uh, as they were, as they were approving Wheeler, I would imagine. Absolutely. Dan, let's take a step back for just a moment, if we, if we may. I kind of want to look for a moment at, at Pruitt's record specifically. Can you tell us about his focus and, I guess, his major works in progress or accomplishments to this date, just so we really understand, you know, what he has done so far? Well, it's actually pretty difficult to identify clear, unequivocal accomplishments. Uh, conservative voices have rallied behind Pruitt precisely because he's viewed as quite effective in pursuing a deregulatory agenda at EPA. But uh, some environmental advocates have been pleasantly surprised to see Pruitt make some big mistakes in pursuit of haste and headlines. Uh, for instance, one of Pruitt's primary strategies to date has been to announce stays of implementation of existing rules, as was the case with the Obama-era methane rule. Uh, the courts have consistently intervened to block these kinds of actions, insisting that Pruitt follow the process outlined in the Administrative Procedure Act and build an evidentiary record supporting the rescission of the rules. Uh, likewise, uh, many have been happy to see Pruitt shy away from revisiting the so-called endangerment finding, uh, which committed the EPA to re regulating carbon dioxide emissions and would require a Herculean effort to overturn, given the state of the science. Um, 
Instead, the agency has proposed rescinding the Clean Power Plan, uh, the Obama administration's signature effort to address carbon dioxide emissions from electricity generation. Uh, But legal experts question whether that effort will get past the courts, and there's no real immediate timeline for finishing that initiative anyway. Um, As a general matter, Pruitt has found that he can't simply snap his fingers and do away with regulations. Um, But that said, Pruitt has begun to lay the groundwork for more substantial deregulatory efforts down the road. If he stays in office and succeeds, his biggest legacy may well be two initiatives to try to change the way the agency incorporates science into decision making. So first, Pruitt has proposed rule uh, that would force private scientists, members of the Clean Air Science Advisory Committee, KSAC, to either forego EPA grant funding for their research or relinquish uh, their membership on the committee. Uh, a number of prominent scientists have already resigned from the committee rather than give up research funding, and Pruitt has already placed members on the committee who are accused of peddling misleading industry-funded funded science. Um, Second, Pruitt has recently moved to adopt administratively what some in Congress have proposed to do via legislation, which is ban the use of science in EPA decision-making, where that science is based on confidential health data. Uh, This so-called transparency policy would drastically limit the science the EPA could rely on, as much research on issues like health effects of particulate matter uh, involves individualized health outcome data, which are not anonymized and must be kept private under federal law. Um, bedrock principles of administrative law hold that an agency like EPA can't make policy changes without some consideration of the relevant science or evidence. But Pruitt's initial steps to transform how the agency digests scientific evidence, if they're fully and successfully implemented, would significantly redefine what is relevant in a way that would allow EPA more room to maneuver in undoing the actions of the previous administration. Finally, one major recent development that warrants some discussion is Pruitt's Uh, announcement that the agency will revisit Obama-era regulations called Corporate Average Fuel Economy Standards, which set miles per gallon minimums for the fleet of new vehicles that automobile manufacturers produce. That announcement set off speculation about a possible fight between California, um, uh, which as a matter of practice has received waivers that allow it to impose stricter fuel economy standards, and Pruitt, who would view uh, California's higher standards as a hurdle to achieving a real reduction in fuel economy standards. Um, So even if Pruitt stays in office, it's not clear how much political capital he will have left to even fight this fight. So, so Carrie, um, Pruitt has been pretty clear in his rejection of science. Um, Would we expect that same perspective of Wheeler? Um, Would he generally pick up where Pruitt left off in his administrative efforts? Or would uh, Wheeler bring new priorities I think in the main, Wheeler or whoever else probably would be Pruitt's replacement will have the kind of priorities and orientation that Pruitt has. Uh, Wheeler is not someone who thinks that there's legal authority uh, to uh, do a whole lot about greenhouse gas emissions, and some would characterize him as a climate skeptic. Uh, I guess I, I, I don't, yeah, I, the, the reason I hesitate a little bit on the science front is it's, I think it's really ironic that this administration, this Republican administration, this administration that is really uh, oriented toward business interests is actually abandoning a strong commitment that corporate America, I think, has made over the years to uh, 
promoting and encouraging sound science and to avoid the politicization of science. And it may be that Wheeler recognizes that that is a dangerous path for industry uh, to, uh, uh, to go down, and maybe he might... Uh, rethink some of those uh, proposals, and, and that's really what they are right now that, that Pruitt has, has developed. Uh, I think he will also, in all likelihood, be more strategic, and that may uh, moderate. And what I mean by that, it, Pruitt seems to be going after so many uh, existing uh, environmental regulations and policies uh, stirring up a lot of dust and ethical controversy <laughs> along the way. And Pruitt, uh, by all accounts, is more professional, experienced in the agency, likely to uh, rely on career staff to a greater extent than Pruitt does. It, it, I guess from most of accounts, it's hard to imagine Pruitt uh, relying on them any any less. Um, I if he's smart, he'll get rid of the soundproof booth, <laughs> which is just a completely tone-deaf uh, move on Pruitt's part. Uh, one of the things we know from uh, our own research at the Penn Program on Regulation is that uh, regulators around the world recognize the importance of transparency. And if you're looking for some symbol about the uh, backwardness of a regulator, I think uh, installing a soundproof booth uh, uh, couldn't be couldn't be uh, more symbolic than than that. Um, I, you know, I, so I think that's what we'll we'll see if he slows down a bit, uh, is more strategic and focused, uh, and relies on career staff. He's also going to be probably more likely than Pruitt is at this point to be effective in getting some uh, regulatory change. Uh, put in place uh, by moving very quickly across so many different fronts, uh, and 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 by not really staffing out uh, matters fully, uh, we uh, we see what has happened over the past year, and that is EPA has uh, had certain of its actions struck down by the courts, and ultimately, at the end of the day, what any administrator can get done. In the position of an EPA administrator, is uh, dependent upon what the courts will uh, do when there is litigation over their final actions, and there is a quite a bit of of, of environmental uh, litigation over over actions that EPA takes. So you can count on that. And the question is, will Wheeler do a better job of that? I think almost anybody at this point probably would, given the cloud of uh, of of, uh, of doubt and ethical impropriety that has surrounded the Pruitt administration. Dan, you've spent some time working at the EPA, and I want to ask you, you know, what uh, is the impact going to be on the agency and its employees of having someone like Wheeler as administrator? Do we have any sense of what kind of manager he would be? Well, compared with Scott Pruitt, Wheeler appears to be far less of a political novice and is widely reported to be 
much more adept and competent um, when it comes to maintaining positive relationships with opposing interests. Um, this may suggest that the biggest change we would see under Wheeler actually would be managerial. Uh, we'd expect to see a, more of a conciliatory mode of management in the agency and less of an effort to shut out the career staff uh, from decision-making processes, especially given that part of the reason Pruitt's currently under fire is because of uh, his alleged retaliation against internal pushback. Um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Wheeler actually spent four years in his early career working at the EPA um, in both Republican and Democratic administrations. So I think uh, he's automatically going to be in a better position with the career staff uh, at EPA, uh, who really have come to distrust and resent Pruitt for cutting them out of the policymaking uh, decisions. Um, and he certainly made a big deal out of this in his confirmation hearing, uh, you know, specifically praising the career staff at EPA. So I think he's already start, starting to build bridges there uh, that will certainly pay off once, he, um, once he's in that position, if he is. Okay, one final question, Kara. I hope you. I know you're on the road right now, and I hope you've brought your crystal ball along with you. Uh, my final question for you is: What can we expect to see in the coming days or weeks uh, at the EPA? Well, there's really two <laughs> two options here. Fundamentally, one option is a continued drip, drip, drip of additional scandal, controversy, hearings, investigations and having Pruitt uh, in the news and uh, having this alive issue come November. Uh, the, uh, the other avenue is to just pull the Band-Aid off quickly and uh, get it, the wound uh, healed up and move forward. I suspect... Uh, actually, what we're going to have is something in the middle. We'll have some more drip, 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 and it's just going to be a question of the time. I would be very surprised uh, that this goes uh, well beyond the year. It's possible it could. Uh, again, to close by uh, looking back as much as you want me to look forward, uh, the scandal at the Reagan administration did take some time uh, before it led to the EPA administrator's resignation. So this could be something that Trump r tries to ride out for a while. But, again, if he's decisive and uh, sees the handwriting on the wall here, uh, he will pull the Band-Aid off. Well, Ann Gorsuch started uh, to, to receive flack, I guess, in 1981, and she didn't leave until 1983. So as you just said, this potentially could take some time. We are in a much faster-moving world today, and there's also a lot of other scandal and controversy and, uh, quite frankly, you know, media distractions that we are seeing from this administration, and that could be a factor as well. So that might make it possible for Pruitt to ride this out longer because uh, everybody's looking at other things like, uh, you know, Porn star and her lawsuit against the president, uh, scandals about possible involvement in Russia, the indictments by high-level uh, or of high-level administration officials. So uh, the dynamics here are very much different, and I certainly uh, think it's important and, and interesting to look back at history. Uh, but we may well be in a brave new world. Never a boring day. Carrie and Dan, thanks for talking. Thanks for having us. You're welcome, Andy. Good to talk to you.
Today's guests have been Kerry Colonisi, Edward B. Schultz Professor of Law and Professor of Political Science at the University of Pennsylvania Law School and the founding director of the Penn Program on Regulation, and Dan Walters, Regulation Fellow in the Penn Program on Regulation. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in to Energy Policy Now. For more energy policy news and research, visit the Kleinman Center's website at kleinmanenergy.upenn.edu or subscribe to our Twitter feed, at Climate Energy. Thanks for listening to the podcast and have a great day.